This is the Truth Warrior Podcast with your host, David Whitehead. Yes, there have been corrupt empires. Yes, they manipulate. Yes, there are secret societies. Yes, there have been oligarchies throughout history. And yes, today in 2002, there is a tyrannical organization calling itself the New World Order, pushing for worldwide government, a cashless society, open borders, total and complete tyranny, where human beings are absolutely worthless. There's six and a quarter plus billion of us, and the globalists have said it many times, there's too many of us, we're causing a problem, uh, we need to be culled at the tune of 80%. It's amazing to talk about that, but it's the globalists, the UN, their own public statements, and they've convinced a lot of liberals and elitist conservatives and others uh, that by going along with this, that we're intelligent members of society. It's the ultimate Malthus worldview. It is uh, this radical, virulent form of social Darwinism. It's the excuse of tyrants. And by creating open borders where there's no national sovereignty and only global bodies that control all the resources, by centralizing and socializing health care, the state becomes God, basically, when it comes to your health. And then by releasing diseases and viruses and plagues upon us, we then basically get shoved into their system. I mean, you could say it's an illusion of choice, but it's a truncated choice. You get a very small sample menu to choose from. And in that, if you know how to respond to each and any one of the variables that come out of those limited options, then you pretty much know how to handle 8 billion people when you are less than, you know, let's say 0.01% of the population looking at 99.9% .9 of the data and running it through supercomputers like Sentient World Simulation and their, you know, counterparts. So, I mean, like, yeah, that is that is the world that we're definitely um, stepping into. And so the last thing I'll say is there are a lot of these things that are happening in the world, but that doesn't mean we're running out of options. It just means our options need to deviate from those truncated menu items that we're given.
Oh, and there we are. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to this podcast. My name is David Whitehead. Happy to be here with you once again. First time live streaming on X. I was experimenting and it all worked out. So I think I've got like four people watching over there. So hello, everybody. And welcome everybody watching on Rumble, Rockfin, DLive, Twitch, Pilled, Foxhole. Good to see you. What are we talking about today? Well, I'm just going to go through some of the latest admissions from our loving overlords who are just so happy to tell us that uh, everything we've been talking about in what you could call the conspiracy research community is actually coming true. And uh, I just entitled this The New World Order. Can you see it yet? I think it's pretty obvious that those who are paying attention can see it. There may be still some people out there that are maybe accepting the fact that there are various groups and organizations and private companies and governments around the world who are colluding together to create a new world order. Maybe their question is whether or not this is a good thing or this is a bad thing. So yeah, we'll talk about that. Also uh, wanted to feature that clip to open this show. It's from chapter 10 of my latest documentary series, Cult of the Medics. It's entitled The Overseers. Put that Alex Jones clip in there. Uh, that was one of the clips I watched. I think that comes from like 2002. And I think I started watching Alex Jones around 2003 and, uh, you know, tuning in and out. Didn't always buy into everything he was talking about. Uh, but so many things that he's talked about have come true. And he's not the only one. I mean, he was just the loudest voice in America talking about what was going on with this globalist infrastructure and what they were planning to do. And there's been many that have been warning us about this. And even before our time, I mean, I've done other series on this where we get into some of the whistleblower testimony coming from with inside the Vatican. I got into that whole thing in chapter six, and I got a little clip coming up from there in a little bit just to tell you some of my ideas on how I think they did it, how old this is, and what this is really all about. And that's really what this series that I've been putting out there is, is trying to focus on, is that for me, it's the medics that were used to bring it in. And of course, we all witnessed that happen during the last few years with all these COVID stuff, and they're still trying to ramp it up. I just came across a CBC News article telling us that we're beyond even experiencing a triple-demic. It's like a quadruple, a quadrivium-demic or something where now the seasonal, the flu season is just basically a pandemic every season. Um, and this is where they want to, this is where they want to take you. And so he, it is interesting that as this is all starting to come out now, we're starting just going kind of with the pandemic for a second. All this information is starting to come out about the damaging effects of these jabs that they forced everybody to take. A lot of countries are walking that back. A lot of government officials are trying to walk it back. A lot of media organizations are trying to quietly exit the scene and pretend like they just didn't know. And now they're finally admitting that there was devastating effects from the various lockdowns that were imposed, that everything we were told as the science wasn't real science. Um, that many of the institutions within science, many of the scientific publications, many of the organizations, government, you know, funded, and the, these globalist bodies like the World Health Organization associated to the UN, that the information they were giving us has now been shown to be grossly incorrect, and that the damaging effects 
of the implementation of these new policies that were sort of pushed all over the world at the same time simultaneously, some way, somehow, have caused more harm than good. And I've experienced friends of mine, family, local people uh, in my area that are succumbing to the side effects of these deadly, deadly experimental jabs. And I think it's important that we have that conversation, but not, this is what I was trying to do with the series is we're not just talking about a little bit of pharmaceutical fraud or a few bad apples here and there, or a few mistakes that your government might've made. Um, we're not even just talking about this one pandemic, this one instance where we're seeing this creep, creeping, creeping tiptoe towards more central control of power in the world in the hands of the few unelected oligarchs who are trying to seize the thrones of power. This is bigger than we can possibly imagine. That's my take. And that's what I'm presenting in Cult of the Medics. And you, of course, can go and watch it for free, all 10 episodes right now at cultofthemedics.com. And if you enjoy the work, if you find value, please share it as far and wide as possible. And, um, you know, it really, really helps. So I, I put the Alex Jones clip in because now he's kind of the talk of the town on X that is, and it's because everybody's trying to petition to bring him back. Because if we all remember, uh, regardless of anybody's opinion of Alex Jones, whether they like his style or not, I don't, I'm not here to talk about any of that. They censored him first. There was a video, I can't remember who did it, but this was right, right around the time that they were, they just came and started banning Alex Jones. I don't know if it was, I can't remember why they banned him. Was it some video where he was approaching a senator or something or whether, I think that was just the video that got him banned from Twitter at the time. And then he got banned before that from YouTube and basically everywhere that he was, well, not everywhere. He's on radio, he's on so many different stations, but he got his initial banning from the public square. I think it was due to the Sandy Hook thing. They're trying to pin him, pin stuff for a long time. And I'm not going to go into the whole history of it. I just think it, the video that I'm thinking about that was sort of talking about this and warning everybody that this isn't going to stop with someone like Alex Jones. This is just going to keep going. This is, um, this is mass censorship. This is what happens when a totalitarian system starts getting installed in your country, or in this case, worldwide, where they just start hunting down and expelling and censoring and slandering. And that's only the first phase any political opposition, any voices that are going to question or challenge whatever the government narrative is or whatever the, and government, we're lost in a sea of words. To me, when I say government, I'm talking about a hell of a lot more than your selected puppets that get installed into these political positions. I'm talking about the government now, the government as of, what are we, December, 2023? Do you think the government in this time that we live in is your so-called elected representatives. Like, do you really, after everything we've seen, do you really believe that? And funny enough, this was one of the things that people like Alex Jones, people like myself and many others have been trying to say. G. Edward Griffin, I've had many great interviews with him, um, many others as well, that were trying to say, look, the real government is not what you see on the surface, what's presented to you on your television what you think you vote for. The real government is a shadow government. This was what was said in the conspiracy circles for decades. We were laughed out of the room. We were scorned by the media. 
I don't know how many debates and arguments I've gotten into over this point. And I mean, who can now is sitting in December of 2023 really argue with that premise? Or at least argue that it's not as insane as you may have first thought. And maybe the reaction to people going, oh, that's just insane, isn't really the fact that it's insane. It's the fact that it's uncomfortable information to hear. That's the real reason you get such a vitriolic reaction to even speculating on this kind of stuff. And I'll admit that in this in arena, there's a lot of speculation. We're tracking of something that is able to be seen, but is also partly hidden. So you have the breadcrumbs of the actual data points and the factual information, the admissions, the, the following of the money, the, the, you can witness the, the slow change from say, even like the 1980s of the centralization of power and control of the narrative in say places like the media or in the pharmaceutical world, which is what I get into in Cult of the Medics, you know, looking at the, the fact that you're not as objective in that world of science as you think. It's not real science anymore. It's commercialized, rigged science to make an appearance of it being science when we've got my shelves are full of books of dissenters who were also censored and banned from speaking what they felt to be the truth. And these are doctors. These are people that worked for medical journals who did medical research. And then you can go into other fields as well. And you can follow the money of who are the main top three or four investing firms in the world that basically get a piece of the pie on every transaction conducted on this planet. And you start to ask, wow, that's a very small group of unelected people that have an ungodly amount of power in this world. Then you go and you just keep going and you just start to see, we've been seeing since say even the 1950s, but you can keep it very recent if you just wanna stay current, there's been a slow trend of centralization of power. And this was what the so-called conspiracy theorists were tracking. That was the original conspiracy was that people were seeing that there was this faceless group of elites that are into a lot of freaky stuff and a lot of freaky Malthusian ideas, as Alex Jones is pointing out there, about the nature of reality, about what the world should be turned into, about the nature of humanity, which they're very anti-human. I mean, just go listen to any speech by Yoel Harari or any of these freak shows at the WEF. Um, there's a very dark view of the planet, this earth, how reality works and humanity's role in it and humanity's future. That's been, it's been espoused, not just since 2020, but it's been espoused and talked about and written about for centuries. And that's what I like to do is go back and go, all right, everybody can go and believe whatever they want about this stuff. What do the people that have the most amount of power, money, and influence believe? I don't care what you believe, or you probably don't care what I believe. Beliefs are, they're what they are. <laughs> they're not, they're nothing. What's reality? What do the people at the top believe? And then that belief system is going to be their worldview. And then the decisions they make, the activities they engage in, the policies they try to influence into your government and through your media, which they invest in and sponsor. Uh, what do they, they are acting on the belief structure that they have. And that's why I did 
this uh, premium show that I keep talking about. You can get it on Truth Warrior Premium. Um, and it's called The Occult Conspiracy because you have to get into the nature of the occult in order to understand how this works. And the fact that, again, this is about understanding what do these people believe? And this was another point. I remember listening back to Alex Jones years and years ago, and he used to make this point all the time. It was never, it's not just about what you believe or what someone up the street believes. It's what do these people believe and what are they trying to do? And we can all debate their motives. We can all debate who they even are. We can do all that. And I think that kind of uh, speculation is appropriate because there's so much we don't know, but there's a lot that we do. And there's a lot that we can see happening right in front of our eyes right now that should indicate to you that your government isn't who you think it is. And it's not working for you. If you live in a country right now, like I live in, well, I live in Canada and you live where you live. And we look and we go, okay, we've got a local in Canada, we have a provincial government and then we have the federal government. It's very similar in a lot of Western countries, right? And you probably have a little more control over your local government to a certain extent, because we also see there's been a lot of exposés of the corruption going on there. And don't forget your provincial governments in Canada did whatever the federal government told them to do. There's only now Alberta trying to resist that right now, but that's like the first even glimmer of that that we've seen, maybe a little bit from Saskatchewan, I don't know. But um, they resisted. Oh, my girls are running around screaming outside. Um, good for them. They resisted or they, they didn't resist. Your provincial government in Canada didn't resist or question or challenge what the federal government was telling them to do on so many issues, not just COVID, but so many issues. We're slowly starting to see a little bit of pushback because the populace is awakening and they're putting pressure on the provincial government to fight back. So we're slowly seeing a bit of a turn, but is it fast enough? I don't know. But besides the point, the point is the federal government became a central control hub to dictate down to the provinces, which is not the way a true free society is to be set up because then you can get into a dictatorship. Like it's pretty easy. If you have central power run by people that you can't control, even though they're going to say, well, you can just vote Trudeau out or you can vote the liberals out. No, you can't because then you're just going to get, all you got to do is get cover both sides of the checkerboard or the chessboard, and you can get your guys in on either side of it. You can penetrate the cabinets like Klaus Schwab likes to brag about. And he, Actually, that famous meme where he talks about that, he was specifically talking about Canada and Trudeau. <laughs> and then like a couple of weeks after that statement, Trudeau comes out and goes, we have to embrace the Great Reset. Like, it's so freaking obvious. But think of that dynamic applied globally now, where you thought you had a government that had local representatives that were there to work on behalf of the voter of the the people, and of course, we're only talking about the small less than 5% of people within a country that actually participate in politics. Everybody else just kind of, uh, right? You think you have local representation. And then you can't help but wonder why no matter who you vote in, you end up with the same policies that keep leading us towards more centralization of power, the selling off of our land and resources, the destruction of our charters of rights and freedoms, the laws that protect the citizens against the whims of the government, etc. And then you start to think, okay, well, if that's how it's working locally to me, 
can you not expand your mind to see how this is actually not coming from say in my case, Canada, where it's like some Canadian conspiracy or whatever. This is Canada is no longer relevant in this situation. There's no, the government of Canada is no longer relevant because we're now talking about the global geopolitical picture and the players that work there. That's the top high table level. And then I get into what I think are maybe the shadowy forces behind that and what their objectives are. But just keeping it to like where the idea of a new world order conspiracy came from. And when you talk, when you go Google it, the new world order conspiracy, like what, if I Google that right now, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's see what they're saying about this on, you know, Wikipedia or whatever. Okay. Yeah, the Great Reset and how it was hijacked by conspiracy theorists. That's from the BBC. Oh my God. This was in 2021. Probably right after the article, they were telling you to go and get you and your kids and your grandma all jibber jabbed. Uh, what are they saying? A vague set of proposals from an influential organization has been transformed by online conspiracy theorists into a powerful viral rallying cry. What is the truth behind the Great Reset? Believers spin dark tales about an authoritarian socialist world government run by powerful capitalists and politicians, a secret cabal that is broadcasting its plan around the world. Despite all the contradictions in the last sentence that they wrote, and I'll explain why whoever wrote this is an idiot, uh, thousands online have latched on to this latest reimagining of an old world conspiracy theory updated for the age of COVID. And then they get into all of this. Now, here's the thing. This is where I come in. I'm just, and I'm guys, I'm pulling this right off the web right now. So this is, we're doing this live. Believers spin dark tales. We spin dark tales based off the words and statements and actions of these people that we're trying to get a handle on. Believers spin dark tales about an authoritarian socialist world government run by powerful capitalists and politicians. And they're trying to say, because they're very uneducated, clearly, that despite that's a contradiction. They put that in there on purpose. Okay. This is how it works. I've said many times, and I've got the quotes from. Let's see if I can even just bring it right up because I love just having the sauce ready to go. It's uh, going through my notes here. Yeah, Tragedy and Hope, 1966, Professor Carol Quigley of Georgetown University. The powers of financial capitalism had another reaching aim, nothing less than to create a world system of financial control in private hands, able to dominate the political system of each country and the economy of the world as a whole. This system was to be controlled in a feudalist fashion. Wait a second. Is capitalism feudalism? Are those two things the same thing? Because it's interesting how he calls, I'm not sure if he's going to say this in this one. Let me just quickly see. He's got another quote, I'm, I'll try to find it as well, where he's talking about, he labels it super capitalism. That was his way of calling the Rockefeller brand of capitalism. That's what the BBC is trying to say. Oh, it's the, so let me tell you, this is how they're going. So you're telling me they're trying to create a socialist world government, but it's all run by capitalism. <laughs> hey, did you know that um, David Rockefeller was very much invested in financing the Bolshevik revolution and the rise of the Soviet Union? You can get into that in uh, 
Well, actually, I do that in chapter six, I believe. Is it chapter six or chapter eight? You can get Eustace Mullins' book, Murder by Injection. I think it's the last chapter. It's called The Rockefeller Syndicate. And he goes through. And the thing about this book is it's all sourced. So you can go follow up on all the sources that he's citing about essentially how the Rockefeller interests helped finance the rise of the Soviet Union. So that would be, oh, well, that's capitalism sponsoring socialism and communism. Why would they do that? Because for them, it was business. For them, it was an opportunity. These See, this is where they're going to keep you with this type of uh, sophistry in the media on the level of thinking that all these terms are all exclusive to each other. But that's, I've, I've explained this before. That is the public square. That is the public square. That's what you're taught. Oh, there's capitalism, there's socialism, there's communism, there's fascism, there's feudalism. There's all these isms. Yet when you find out that you've got people behind the scenes financing both sides of the war in World War II, either financiers, American bankers, British bankers, capitalists, industrialists, members of the Fabian Socialist Society that are capitalists. What's that? Right? So this isn't a contradiction. You just need to understand, and this is how you rebut this, you just need to understand that there's the original system of capitalism, which is just free trade between people with no government interference. So they can't just like do what they're doing right now take away 70% of your earnings to give to whatever the hell the whims of that current government are going to be. You have a system where you can trade and take away power from these super capitalists who are the capitalists that you hear a lot of the current modern left criticizing. It's They don't know really that much about the original form of capitalism which is basically free market economy, free market economics, right? Where you have property rights. Like that's, that came from capitalism, property rights. That's different than what Quigley's talking about with these globalists. They are not capitalists in that sense. They're not Americans. They're not Canadians. They're globalists. They're internationalists. Their allegiances aren't to a particular country. And they look at this as a chessboard. Go read Zygmunt Brzezinski's book, The Grand Chessboard, for more details. They look at it as a chessboard. And they will use these different battles that happen between the different members of society, the different groupings of society, and they will play them off each other so that they can take over what's left. So sometimes you got to do an experiment. I did this in a show recently. Uh, where we were getting into the rise of the new Templars. Go check out that show and get on my Rumble page um, where I was talking about how this all happened. You have um, Professor Anthony Sutton who actually found the financial records of American and British banks financing three brands of socialism at the same time. The same people financed three brands of socialism at the same time. They financed Bolshevik socialism, which was communist Russia. They financed national socialism in Germany. They financed FDR's New Deal in America, which was the softest approach because they, they had to appeal to different demographics. So 
the fascism that we saw rise in Germany, which was different than Mussolini's fascism, by the way, because there's even differences between the isms. You can get in and there's like, not all the fascists agree on what fascism is. Not all the socialists agree on what socialism is, etc. Just like when you start looking into religion or anything, it, it, there's divisions within divisions. So when they come out and they use big words to describe an entire idea, and then they try to attack it, this is how you manipulate the public opinion. Because nobody takes the time to go and look at the nuance of anything and go look at the history of it and look for the receipts and then go read the statements of these people to find out, oh, so these guys were financing three different brands of socialism at the same time. And the guys that were financing it had a lot of money. And the only way for them to actually make money is to engage in capitalism or at least some brand of it or criminal activity. And so what do they do? They are financing experiments on what is the best way to achieve full collective control of the resources of those areas. And it's not about that they believe it's not like David Rockefeller is a communist. He's doing it for his own reasons. He benefited from that. We can get into that. That's another thing. And there's also so much we don't know, but it doesn't matter. I look at it like, what if we have this? What if we look at all of this as experiments? You needed, a, you needed a type of socialism that would appeal to the low class, the lower classes, the blue collar, that's Soviet Russia. That's the communist Marxist appeal to the people need to rise up against the proletariat or whatever it is. Right. And then you've got, but that doesn't work with the middle class and above and the, and the higher, uh, the uh, upper class, they're not going to go for that because they don't want to give up all the wealth and the land and the resources that they've accrued. So you need to come up with something called fascism, which is more appealing version of socialism, which is just collectivism. Um, that appeals to the middle and upper classes. So you do that experiment at the same time as you do the Soviet experiment to see, okay, we've got the perfect recipe for success of our enterprise of, of a new world order, of a centrally controlled world government system where we control everything, top to bottom, every nation on the earth, every transaction ever conducted, every blade of grass, right? Every living organism. If we want to achieve that, and recreate the world the way we see it. The, the human race is not just going to hand us tiny few over their land, their resources, their cultures. They're not just going to hand it all over. So we need to do some experiments to see how can we achieve mass formation psychosis about the things that we want to install. So we do experiment A, experiment B. We've already covered that. So you got your lower class socialism experiment. That's Russia. You've got your middle, middle and upper class experiment. That's Germany and fascism. And then you've got, what's the latest, what's the one in America? You do the softest tiptoe possible version of it to see if you can get Americans to get into this shit. America, of course, being founded on individual rights, private property, freedom of speech, the right to defend yourself against a tyrannical government, and on and on we could go. Uh, you know, a, a country that has a lineage and a culture around fighting against oligarchical control of their nation, right? How are you going to get them to hand over the keys to the kingdom? Well, you need to, you, you can't bring in the Soviet model. Americans would reject it. You can't bring in the fascist model. Americans would reject it because they hate both of those things. 
So you do the tiptoe version and then you go and you sit back and you take the data and you go, okay, we can't just run this as one seamless narrative throughout the world. We need to have it hit different ways with different cultures and different people because they all respond differently. So we got to get the pulse on what are the top concerns of the German people at the time? What are the top concerns of Americans? What are the top concerns of Canadians? What are, what do they want? Well, all we got to do is offer them a carrot on the stick and then they will give us the keys to the kingdom. We don't even have to fight for it anymore. We don't have to send tanks to invade. We don't have to do that. We've already tried it. It failed. It never lasts for very long and it's incredibly expensive and it takes a lot of energy and you also have to mind control people to go and kill other people. Like it's really, it's a lot of work. So now instead new warfare today is asymmetric information warfare. So this is why we say battle for your mind. And isn't that the slogan of, um, Infowars, a battle for your mind. So I, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here because I'm trying to explain what I think the real new world order is. And it was people like Alex Jones and many of these other people that were talking about this for a long time and look at the world now. You didn't get everything right. And there's definitely some things I disagree with, but that's okay. I mean, I love how they go at someone like Jones the media, right? And they're like, look at you with Sandy Hook. You were wrong about that. Pay us $4 billion or whatever they want to pay. Like when you're speculating on something and you're seeing, okay, I've got a precedent where we've got criminals hiding behind the veil of public office that are slowly trying to change the order of our country. And they're working for these globalist institutions and financiers that have conducted the experiments I've just told you about and more. And they are trying to destroy our nations so that they can establish the new world order. If you if that's where you're at, you're going to look and say, okay, none of these guys have been arrested. The world isn't even ready. Like America at that time wasn't even ready to accept it. There's still not a lot. Still, well, maybe now more than ever, but still not ready to accept it. You know, but especially back then. And whether Sandy Hook was a psyop or not. You know, if he comes out and even Jones is like, yeah, I think it was real now, you know, and he, he says it. Okay. So he made it, he made a, he, he theorized about, Hey, we've seen other false flags attacks. We've had other instances as a precedent that's been set. None of those people were ever exposed properly or arrested or dealt with. So they're still loose in the world. So this is still a modus operandi. So we should be suspicious of all of these things because whether at any of these events like nine 11 or shootings or whatever event you can come up with, or even the pandemic, whether any of these things were just naturally spontaneous occurrences as they're presented, or whether they're all pre-planned and you got programmed MK ultra guys going in there and shooting places up that are all, you know, activated by the CIA or whatever, whether that's the case or not, you kind of, it kind of doesn't matter because the people I'm talking about are opportunists. So they're just like, Oh, brilliant. We have a great opportunity to bring our agenda into play because now everybody's worried about COVID or now everybody's worried about terrorists or now everybody's worried about this or that. Worried about school shootings. Let's use that as a pretext to get rid of the Second Amendment. Let's also use it as a way to get rid of the First Amendment, freedom of speech. Because we don't want them having the freedom of speech to defend what we're trying to do with the Second Amendment, right? And on and on it goes. So, you know, 
And then if someone makes a mistake or let's say I come out or any of us come out and we think, oh, yeah, I think maybe this is what happened. Oh, I'm kind of suspicious about that. And then maybe later you find out, okay, it wasn't what I originally thought it was. Which is what Jones came out and said, right? I, I was kind of wrong about that, but I'm not wrong to question it. I'm not, I wasn't wrong at the time with the information we had to theorize that these people who we've caught doing this in the past might be doing this again. And then the media, who is the biggest conspiracy theorist on the planet, mind you, who get things wrong every single day and put millions of dollars to put out a narrative that's later demonstrably false. And yet they're not told they have to pay $4 billion. There's no grand inquiry with them. Look at CNN. How many people were let go from CNN, prominent spokespeople? or producers that were involved in child porn stuff and, and trafficking and things like that. I mean, yet CNN still exists. It wasn't shadow banned or censored from the entire internet. And on and on we could go, look at the lies they've been telling you about Ukraine, about this global warming stuff. They're not showing you both sides. That's why I say it's a lie. Uh, they're, you know, all these other things that are going on. The media is now the number one advocate for the suppression of free speech. This is political targeting. This is what they're doing in Canada. To, this is what they did. They froze people's bank accounts that weren't even prominent media people or journalists or podcasters. They froze people's bank accounts that were like stay-at-home moms that donated some money to the trucker convoy because those people automatically were like, there's something wrong with what the government's doing. You know what I mean? And yet none of them have been held to account. So it's a double standard. And so it's kind of like that old quote. First they came for this group and I wasn't part of it. So then, you know, I said nothing. And then they came for this group. I said nothing. And then eventually they came for me. And by the time they came for me, there was nobody left to stand up for me. First they came for Alex Jones. First they came for people like that who have been more correct in their overall analysis, in terms of being one of the first on the scene to say, hey guys, like in that clip 2002, there's people that are calling this a new world order. They all come from different countries. You got guys in America saying it, you got the president of the United States saying it, you've got people in other countries saying it in Britain, you got Tony Blair saying it, you got Gordon Brown saying it, you've got Stephen Harper saying it, you got Pierre Elliott Trudeau saying it, you've got Xi Jinping saying it, you got, you know, Putin talking about it. You got all these people all over the world talking about it. You've got memoirs from David Rockefeller. It's like in his book, we're going to set up an international global uh, world government run by unelected bureaucrats and industrialists or whatever. And, um, and then so many more admissions. You got HG Wells writing an entire book called an open conspiracy where it's all about trying to set up literally a socialist world government. He comes from the Fabian socialists of Britain that have times to MI6, etc. Right. And you just go back and he's like, this stuff's happening. And the world went, no, it's not happening. Then 2008 crash happens with the market. We start to see how they're trying to, you know, all the stuff that went on with that. We never fully recovered learning about how they're trying to now replace our, already corrupted money system, but you know, we could repair it with some proper sane measures. 
but they want to replace that with what? A global digital currency. Well, who predicted that? Your local neighborhood conspiracy theorists did. And did they predict it because they have a crystal ball? No, they predicted it because this is, this, you can see the discussions happening publicly. I mean, guys, let's just quickly, this will be, what is this, like 10 seconds? to your friends like, oh, they're not trying to set up a new world order. That's just a conspiracy theory, right, BBC? Your Excellency, are you ready for a new world order? <laughs> I mean, I know the video looked kind of weird. Uh, you can go to something called the World Government Summit website. And they are talking about a new world order. I don't know how much more obvious it needs to be. Now, the only counter you, you can get to that is, well, but they're not talking about the dark, satanic, pedophilic elite new world order that wants to depopulate the planet under the directives of the Club of Rome and all of that. They're not talking about that. They're talking about the ponies and rainbows version of the new world order. That's the, that's the only way you can argue with that. That's literally the only argument. They are saying it. There was, I covered this over the pandemic. There's headlines. Not only did they call it a new normal, all these pandemic guidelines and the new medical technocracy coming in. They, they openly were headlining it as the new world order. Is there a new world order now? That particular phrase. Now you could argue with me, well, that phrase could mean different things to different people. Sure, totally could. Maybe it means something different to you than it does to your neighbor. You're in the public square though. So I don't really care. I care about what it means at the high table, the high table of the global criminal mafia syndicates that don't get elected, that own everything, and that influence your public supposed government officials to install their ideology into policy. That's the new world order. What do they think? What does this, we, we used to call it shadow government. That was too esoteric for people. So now we call it the deep state. Fine. We call it the deep state. Most people now accept that there's a deep state. There's a sort of government behind the government. So, you know, it's, it's so obvious now. And then all these things that are happening in the world, that's this is what we're fighting we're fighting for our the existence of our countries but you know we definitely need to make some fixes obviously there's so much corruption that was put into place uh to facilitate this agenda but we're trying to what are we fighting against we're fighting against look at this wef coming out and saying it like literally it's almost like Klaus Schwab watched like six years in a row of Infowars and then just wrote, <laughs> put the script out. Yeah, this is what we're doing. Either that or it's the other way around. And these guys have been working on this for a long time and now they just decided to go public with it during a crisis. This is about freedom of humanity. And this is beyond that because they're not even just talking about whether we're going to have centrally controlled banks which we already do, but they, you know, really want to get rid of any competition in that market. Centrally controlled digital currency. 
where you don't have the ability to use cash as an alternative, which means if you're connected to the bio digital surveillance grid, that's all hooked up to your digital currency. And you say something on the internet that gets flagged by an AI algorithm, that that was wrong speak by the state, the global state, you suddenly don't have access to your credits. Yeah, this is not how we do things in Western civilization. This is not what our forefathers died for. So we are fighting against this globalist takeover for them to set up a new world order, which is essentially just one ring to rule them all. That's what it is. That's the conspiracy. Now, how did they do this? How did they do this? How did they achieve this? What was the, this is just my ideas about it. And I put this in the opener of Cult of the Medics chapter six. I really liked how this turned out. So it's a few minutes. I'm going to play it. And then I got some comments for you. So enjoy. If you were seeking to take power over the thrones of the earth and build back feudalism again with a modern technocratic twist, how would you go about it? How would you sell the loss of personal freedom, property rights, privacy, and bodily autonomy in exchange for heavy taxation, central control, a total surveillance state, and essentially modern slavery to the public? You would have to win the trust and faith of the people in order to achieve that kind of power and control. You would have to start by taking control of the narrative and the information that people see, hear, and read every day. You would then have to begin inserting your agents and ideologues into key positions within the most sacred and trusted institutions they favor. Like a predator in the wild stalking its prey, you would have to move slow enough that people do not take much notice, but fast enough so as to achieve your aim before you get discovered and exposed. It is my opinion at this stage that the three key institutions that have indeed been captured in this way are 1. The media. Brought to you by Pfizer. CBS Health Watch, sponsored by Pfizer. Anderson Cooper 360. Brought to you by Pfizer. ABC News Nightline. Brought to you by Pfizer. Making a difference. Brought to you by Pfizer. CNN Tonight. Brought to you by Pfizer. Early start. Brought to you by Pfizer. Friday night on Aaron Burnett out front. Brought to you by Pfizer. This week with George Stephanopoulos is brought to you by Pfizer. This weather report brought to you by Pfizer. Today's countdown to the royal wedding is brought to you by Pfizer. And now a CBS Sports update brought to you by Pfizer. Meet the press. Data download. Brought to you by Pfizer. The church and religion.
and because of course this would have to be a global operation to achieve such an aim, you could insert all major religious institutions that have influence over the people in this category. But finally, the most important in my view is the health and medical industry, which is the focus of this series. Now, why these three specifically, you ask? Because all three are both consciously and subconsciously associated with our survival. You need to cover the three major areas of human concern. Information management, which is linked to our ability to navigate our reality, which directly links to our natural ability to survive in the wild based on having to accurately assess the terrain around us. And in the survival sense, a bad reading of the information one gathers from the environment around him could result in death or debilitating injury. So control over this sphere is essential. Religion, which in most people's minds is linked to their survival in the afterlife, so control of this domain is key because you can control people in this life by wielding the alleged power to save their souls in the afterlife. And this, of course, is a technique which has been used for centuries to control the masses. You would need to control the health and medical industry, which is very much linked to our physical and psychological survival in this life. This domain of control is one of the most important for what I feel are quite obvious reasons. This is not a difficult domain to control because most people will happily grant you their blind faith in hopes that this faith will ensure safety, health, and long-term survival. It is in these three spheres that you take a sort of parental control over the minds of your desired subjects. In a nutshell, if you want power over land, resources, and the wealth of nations, you need to first control the people who inhabit that land, and who hold that wealth, and who control those nations. If you want power over people, you must win their trust and their favor. And if you want to win their trust and their favor, you must hide behind what they already trust and favor. Turning our attention, Rachel, to young Hollywood and the vaccine. Oh. All right, look at this sexy shot, Sophie and Joe. They look great. Yeah, they're vaxxed up. We have, let's see, next up, a young and vibrant television host Wait a minute. Here wait a that's minute. getting his vaccine. I don't know who that is. Very young, though. Very wait, lovely. wait. I thought we were doing a young Hollywood segment. Wow, is that legal? Okay. <laughs> and finally, the very talented Britney Spears and Sam Asghari, her boyfriend. It was nothing. I felt nothing. I'm fine. And I hope I continue to stay fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Fine. And hoping she continues to stay fine.
I couldn't believe when I found that clip. She's fine and hoping she continues to stay fine. Didn't we all hope to stay fine? Um, but yeah, to the point there, I think that was crucial to uh, go through my just my thinking on this would be how you would do it. This is what you would have to do. And you would need to control those three basic spheres of human concern. The concern of survival in this life, the concern of survival in the afterlife, and the concern over your health. And you'd have to have uh, all of those areas of so the media, the medical institutions, you know, you got to capture through the deep, like what uh, Archbishop Vigano called the deep church. So he was indicating that there was a takeover from within. And we've got whistleblowers, uh, Baron Avril Manhattan, and many, many others who've spoken about it, Malachi Martin. And I listed them all in that chapter uh, where we go through the history of the deep church. So if you have a deep church and you have a deep state and you have a deep medical system that's corrupted, and again, to separate from the good people, the good men and women, the well-meaning people within those organizations that have no idea how this compartmentalized structure works, well above them. Everybody's just a cog in a wheel following orders and reading scripts and teleprompters, right? So it's easy to capture through this method. And the reason this is the method of the day is because it's replacing the method of the old world where you just send armies over the hill to invade and pillage and take over in that way. This is just, it's not even conspiracy. It's not even that. It's warfare. It's modern warfare tactics is what we're being exposed to here. And there is a group that wants to take over and seize your wealth and seize your property. And in order to do that, they have to seize your mind. And when they openly talk about it and write books about it and have interviews about it and have entire... They, they fly everybody to Davos and they have these big meetings about it and they meet behind closed doors and armed guards in places where these Bilderberg meetings are happening. And then you see the world happening around you and everybody's confused. What's going on? All I can do is throw my hands up and go, have you tried listening to some of the conspiracy theorists? I mean, maybe not all of them. There's a lot of wacky shit in this world. Of, of research, of course. And there's tons that I don't agree with or ascribe to. I don't fall for every single one of these conspiracies. I think many are thrown into the mix to taint the overall investigation into the real ones. You know what I mean? But either way, there's plenty of room for speculation on our side because that's what the other side is doing and they are more wrong than they are accurate. Whereas these days, you only got to wait a few days before another conspiracy is vindicated as being true because it's not multiple things happening. It's one conspiracy. This is the agenda, world government, totalitarian control. And then when you get into what I also cover in the series about the Club of Rome and the people and you read the writings of these David Rockefellers and all these other people where they have a very dark view of humanity, you start getting into their full the philosophical underpinnings of their worldview, where that came from. Well, that came behind came from behind the lodge doors of, of some very occult fraternities and secret societies. And that might sound a little too deep end for you, but it's thoroughly documented. And that's what I showed in the occult conspiracy. And it was, you know, I bring plenty of whistleblower testimony to the front. And you see that in writings from like 1798 and the 1700s, 
we have the same words and phrases and slogans that are being talked about by these members of these secret societies and many of the aristocracy of Europe at the time were using those same phrases and those same arguments that we see rising up today. And so you can't help but draw some conclusions from that. Now, you know, some of this stuff is still speculative, but some of it's ironclad. And I just think when you look around, I think it's so obvious that we're living in it. Now I put, um, just kind of on the whole deep church thing, I put a quote in the description of this video, and it's an excerpt from a memorial to be addressed to the house of bishops and the house of the clerical and lay deputies of the Protestant Episcopal church in general convention back in October of 1940. And here's the quote. The term internationalism has been popularized in recent years to cover an interlocking financial, political, and economic world force for the purpose of establishing a world government. Just <laughs> saying it. Today, internationalism is heralded from pulpit and platform as a League of Nations or a federated union to which the United States must surrender a, def a definite part of its national sovereignty. The world government plan is being advocated under such alluring names as the new international order or the new world order or world union now or the world commonwealth of nations the world community etc all the terms have the same objective however the line of approach may be religious or political according to the taste or training of the individual so this is where i got this idea of the three spheres of control you and and also when i was talking earlier about how the fabian socialist communist international whatever the big high table guys they did those experiments to suss out what was the most efficient way to rule people that didn't want to be ruled and just finish fighting revolutions to not be ruled how do we capture that back how do we reclaim the thrones of power that we lost during the Enlightenment, during all these periods of time, and during the founding of America, how do we reclaim it? We can't reclaim it militarily. People are sick and tired of living in the Dark Ages under medieval feudalist rule, being ruled by popes and monarchs and, you know, priests and all these people. So they want freedom. Okay, so humanity really wants to be free now. So how do we, how do we, how do we create the sales pitch to get them back into the chains again, working for us? Well, you, it, you start to get into human psychology. You start to look into how mass formation can be formed. You start studying the public mind and you realize it's easier than we first thought. All we have to do is implant subconscious and subliminal suggestions. And people won't even know why they're making the decisions that they're making. They won't even know how to track the foundations of their beliefs and their opinions. They won't know that people have been working tirelessly behind the scenes to install a program of beliefs and, and whatnot into the minds of the public for a long time now, through generational now, it's generational. And now we're waking up and going, wow, what track did we go down? And how did we get here? We've been manipulated to get here. And there's also the side of it that we cover a lot on, on the Unslaved podcast. And I did a little bit recently in a show called The Psychology of Dependence, where there's the side of the slave that is actually creating and voting in and supporting his enslavement and wanting the master, wanting to be ruled, not wanting freedom. There's that discussion to be had as well. But today I just wanted to focus on 
what these cats are doing. So I just think, I mean, when you got admission after admission, you have all the evidence we've collected in this community. Maybe some of it is amateur. Maybe there's mistakes made. Yeah. Cause we're new. It's a new thing. It's done by amateur research It's done by, well, it's a combination of like people who are very high level, you know, I could bring scholarly names to the front, Carol Quigley and uses Mal Anthony Sutton. These are you know, degreed people. These are high level people. We can get quotes from dukes and princes and kings and uh, politicians, Benjamin Disraeli, prime ministers, presidents, Woodrow Wilson. We can get into them openly discussing this so that you know this isn't just something going around on Reddit that was just thought up yesterday. Uh, and we could go there, right? But I just think we're past that and we don't even really, really need to because people are experiencing it. Are you more free now or are you less? Is the world getting better or is it getting darker in the hands of the people that are currently sitting in the positions of power and influence? And yes, that includes a lot of different areas. That includes government office, the public office, right? It includes the private sector and the corporations and the institutions. It includes the scientific establishment. It includes the religious establishments, right? And when you start to see that all of the world is starting to go towards this singular direction and all the algorithms are guiding your attention towards these arguments they're trying to install in your mind to justify the reduction of sovereignty, to justify the argument into your mind that, yeah, humans are just some kind of bacteria running around on the planet that aren't conscious and don't know how to rule themselves. So we need these overlords and overseers to rule us on our behalf, right? They're the vicars of the gods or something, and we're nothing. That maybe their arguments for depopulation are justified, right? And on and on we can go, or, or, or hey, we don't even need to have men and women anymore. We don't need to have natural biological mating between humans to produce another human. We don't need to do that anymore. We'll just do it in labs. We'll take away your freedom to even reproduce. That's what they're talking about. Like, does that sound like a ponies and rainbows version of a new world order? Or does that sound rather dystopian? We're just, it's amazing. People have freedom right now to disagree with you on all these points, but wait until there is no freedom anymore. So you might go, oh, I don't like Alex Jones. I think he's a shill. I think he's this. I think he's that. Or I think he's too boisterous. Or I think he was wrong about Sandy Hook, so fuck him. Or I think he's crazy. But... If you're going to base it off of that, you'd have like, nobody would be allowed to talk. You can't have free, you can't have free discussion where like in a discussion between adults that are just sitting around having a discussion about current affairs on any subject, everybody gets to weigh in with their opinions all the time. And most of those opinions are probably bullshit, but they're not getting censored for giving their opinion. That's probably bullshit and uneducated. Right. And then you even have people that are very, very intelligent and they're very methodical in their research and their journalism and they do a really good job and then they make a mistake. Right. Should they be totally censored because of that? 
So I don't know what Elon Musk is waiting for. I don't know why we can't just bring everybody back onto X because why can't humanity just grow up, manage their own content consumption and think for themselves? Why can't we just do that? Like, if you don't like what I'm saying today on my show, here's the newsflash. You don't have to watch this anymore. There's a little X in the top right-hand corner that you can click and just turn it off. And there's a little place where you can even downvote it. And there's even this thing called a comment section where you can let me have it. Right? You get to regulate your own content. Who's, where's the fact checkers coming in to tell you what to think? Who the hell are these people? What if they're wrong? Who were the fact checkers back in the middle ages going around fact checking people to death? <laughs> It's just a different version of the same thing. So bring everybody back. Enough with the censorship. Grow up. That's what I think. If there's stuff that I don't like to listen to, I just do this thing where I don't listen to it. Like, I don't know what else we need to do. And they go, oh, it's damaging to society because it's influencing people. Yeah, and the mainstream media isn't. Like... They're the world heavyweight champions, the Guinness world, Guinness book of world records holder of spreading fake lies and disinformation that has been, we do it weekly. We do here. Check this out. Let me show you too, where public opinion is at. And this is what's interesting is when you go on some of these other platforms, Facebook, Instagram, some of the more mainstreamy normy ones, right? You can't get this view of public opinion as easily, right? But on a platform like X, no, it's not perfect. And I still have some gripes with it. I hope they start to keep improving it. But it's better than the rest in terms of not censoring. Like I'm able to say whatever the hell I want. I haven't been censored one time since. Maybe other people have had a different experience. Like I said, it's not perfect. But still, you can speak more freely on that platform. So you go and you check out. Here's an example. And this is what I love to do. I've been collecting these polls from mainstream media outlets, especially in Canada. And I started doing this. If you've followed me for a number of years now, I started doing this. If you remember back at the very beginning of the pandemic, I started pulling out the mainstream media polls that they were doing with the public on their own channels or through their own uh, websites where they're collecting polls from the general public. So this means it's the, it's CTV news. It's the Toronto star. It's the Ottawa sun. It's, it's all these different mainstream platforms. And that means you're getting people from all different political worldviews coming to those news feeds to put their votes in, right? So in the beginning, they were doing things like asking how many people support lockdowns. Well, they did that after all their news agencies were reporting, the sky is going to fall upon your heads and end the human race unless we lock down. So of course, the vast majority of the public opinion, they just go, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm not an expert. Yeah, okay, I guess we're just gonna lock down. I guess that's the only way, right? And they didn't go and look at all the other scientists that were at the time going, no, no, we, we shouldn't do that. That could cause more harm than good. We've actually got policies written of how to deal with something like this. We don't need to go that far. They didn't look that up. They just went and they voted, get the lockdowns going because there was panic in the air, right? So you see the numbers. Oh, like 80% of people support lockdowns. And then, okay, do you support 
mandatory vaccinations. It's funny, some of the earlier ones, you had a lot of people saying, no, no, it shouldn't be mandatory. And then over time, after there was more media massaging of your brain for about a year, and there was still more fear porn getting pumped into your brain intravenously daily, then people are like, yeah, I think we better mandate that shit. What's wrong with all these anti-vaxxers questioning things? Who the hell do you think you are, right? That's where the attitude was, and it's still there. But it's let's check the current stats, because that's flipping. That's flipping. And I actually had a bit of a win yesterday that I want to show you. This was great. This was great. Let me pull it in. I'm just going to pull up my X feed here. Hey, look, you can watch me live on X while I'm streaming that. That's cool. Okay. So let me just get down to it. All right. What are we at? Oh, wow. 790. Not bad. Okay. So this was from the Toronto Star. Why the anti-vax movement is still on the rise. I've given up on the notion that facts will change an anti-vaxxer's mind. Opinion by Bob Hepburn, this guy. Um, and of course, this is the Toronto Star. And look at the picture they selected. So he's not even speaking in general with anti-vaxxers. They're just using that term because that's the weaponized term selected to help create mass formation psychosis so that people don't question past this term, right? They're applying that specifically to this COVID vax or this COVID jab. And look, because you got no man. This is from the trucker convoy. Enough is enough. What's this? I just love how this is the picture that he chose. No mandatory vaccinations. Again, we're talking about freedom here. Talking about bodily autonomy, my body, my choice. One of the pillars of the West. If your vaccine is the bee's knees, what you do in a free society is you demonstrate that and you sell that to the public. You don't need to use coercion, psychological pressure, manipulation, public scorning, or mandates by the government, which violate our laws and the only reason why they say it doesn't violate our laws is because they've weaseled around the laws because there's a new sheriff in town you know what i'm saying you don't need to force something that's awesome you don't look at the market do they have to force like a playstation 5 on people no people just like it because they see that it's a better version than ps4 or, i don't know maybe that's a horrible example look take your pick of anything the market responds when something works and something either satisfies a need or a want. And then people line up around the block for it. You don't need to force it. Without the force, you still would have had people line up. In fact, I believe that if you wouldn't have forced it, you probably would have had even more people lining up for that jab. The fact that you forced it is what created us. <laughs> that was your fault. So that was my comment. And I said, yeah, it seems that making them mandatory, completely ignoring the now well-documented negative side effects that are cited by actual doctors, and then calling for the deaths of the unjab was a horrible strategy if changing minds was actually the goal. And I've now hit, so they're at 319 likes. I have now, just in this one response, I've hit 790 likes. And then if you go down... Um, 
Oh, look at this guy. Okay, nut job. <laughs> this guy's come at me before. He's got like 50 followers. Um, anyways, go through this whole, let's just take a tour. Look at the comments. Look, everybody's pulling it up. This is what we're talking about. Remember this? Toronto Star, unvaccinated patients do not deserve ICU beds. I have no empathy left for the willfully unvaccinated. Let them die. That's the same Toronto Star. Maybe that was the, uh, and then what do they do? They show, yeah. Yeah, cumulative rise in, is this from? Yeah, I've got another one on the cumulative deaths. Look, I even ratioed them just with this. Wow, totally ratio. The tides have turned. <laughs> you go through the comments, man. Oh, man, it is hilarious. Like, if you want to just sit back and laugh, just go through the comments. People have had enough. Look <laughs> <laughs> Me getting ready to survive my fourth winter of severe illness. And death. <laughs> That's amazing. That is amazing. I'm just going to retweet that. Boosh. So I just had to show you that. So not only did my single response totally ratioed them other people's single response ratioed them and then in total all the comments just demolished them so i mean you still have that tiny fraction of people that you'll never change their minds on this but they are the small fringe minority you know what i mean so how the tides have turned and then uh let me go through because we're coming up here i want to get through all this I got some, a few good clips for you. I just want to decide where I'm going to start. Oh yes. I wanted to do this. I wanted to do this. Okay. I just did a quick little dive on this one. You may have caught it. Here, I'll expand it for you. Oh, I guess it doesn't really matter. I can't see when I do that, but whatever. Here we go. Let's play this. This is Article 99 of the UN, and I just got me curious. Let's hear this statement from the United Nations. This just happened a couple days ago. Given the scale of the loss of human life in Gaza and in Israel in such a short amount of time, the Secretary General has today delivered a letter to the President of the Security Council invoking Article 99 of the Charter of the United Nations. This is the first time that Antonio Guterres has done this since he became Secretary General in 2017. Article 99 states, and I quote, that the Secretary General may bring to the attention of the Security Council any matter in his opinion that may threaten the maintenance of international peace and security. In the letter, which has been shared with you, the Secretary General urges the members of the Security Council to press to avert a humanitarian catastrophe, and he appeals for a humanitarian ceasefire to be declared. All right. Now, regardless about humanitarian ceasefires and all that stuff, right? Uh, how do I... I'm just going to have to come back here. Hold on. And then I'll have to reshare it to bring it up. I don't know why that happened. Regardless of that... I was just curious about what kind of power this gives the Secretary General. Article 99. So I went to the UN website, I looked under their legal definitions, and they've got a bunch of these precedents. This one was 
the most recent one, I think in 2006. And it's just a general thing. And I'm, I'm not fully done looking into this. I just, when I hear stuff like, oh, we're, we're suggesting article 99 and it gives some kind of new power to the secretary of, uh, the UN, which is the public face of the global government. Well, here you go. Article 99 of the United Nations Charter confers on the Secretary General the power to bring to the attention of the Security Council any matter that is his or her own opinion and may threaten the maintenance of international peace and security, adding a political role to the Secretary's functions under the United Nations Charter. So it like somehow upgrades the role. It's not just that he's like, I'm allowed to suggest my opinion on this matter. It's is basically in a lecture delivered, and let's get into it. In a lecture delivered in September 2001, interesting date, the Secretary General Kofi Annan acknowledged that Article 99 makes the Secretary General clearly a political rather than a purely administrative official by requiring him or her to act politically. So, I, I mean, what does this mean? Let's look into this more. Let's dive down into this. Uh, I'm always curious of what they're doing over at the always totally on the up and up United Nations, right? I'm obviously being a little bit uh, sarcastic there. But, yeah, that that's interesting. So, help me dig on that one, guys. Article 99. What is that? What the hell are they up to? Um, okay. I'm just doing some jujitsu. Check out this sweet joke. Decisive. Oh, yeah, I've been doing a lot. That's my good buddy, training partner, Levi. He's phenomenal. Um, I've been working a lot of jujitsu lately. It's so fun. Okay, what was I trying to get to? Oh, yeah. Look at this stuff. This is kind of getting into all this... Um, you're seeing it leak into the all this globalism and this agenda leaking into the medical system, as I was saying, why we should be focusing on it. Here's from Gad Sad pointed this out. A Canadian physician sent me the CanMeds report on the expertise that is now being required of Canadian physicians. He attached the report, of which I'm providing here a screenshot. Please read the first sentence. This is not satire. These parasitic idea pathogens will destroy the world. So this is from this thing, and it says, a new model of CanMeds would seek to center values such as anti-oppression, anti-racism, and social justice rather than medical expertise. What? It would prioritize bi-directional relationships with patients, providers, communities, the land, the health system, and society at large. What? Rather than the individual physician as a gatekeeper of professionalized knowledge. So they're centralizing. <laughs> Think about the interview, if you ever watched, that I did with Dr. Charles Hoff. Dr. Charles Hoff, I featured a section of that in chapter nine of Cult of the Medics. But if you go on my Rumble page or my Rockfin page, or even on my um, iTunes or Podbean, go look up Dr. Charles Hoff and you'll see the interview I did with him. He blew the whistle on some of this where they were taking away the power of the individual physician to work as a physician, and they are institutionalizing it through the colleges, top down. 
So what we're getting is the next layer here where it's basically now going woke as well on top of that, right? So with this new model, they're saying we can reflect a stance of humility over hubris and demonstrate how we as physicians must constantly be seeking to learn, explore, critically reflect and glow. Like, I don't know what that's, that's just, that's just rhetoric, but we're prioritizing wokeism over medical advice. I don't know. Yeah. I got to look into that more. That's rather interesting. So yeah, lunatics running the asylum. Now, here we go. Danny Bulford uh, retweeted this from Mark Friesen, where Mark was going, you can go to mortality.watch and you can look up mortality rates. You can get different ranges. You can put all the data in there. And he's just pointing this out. Uh, I haven't double checked it, so you should go double check it. But I, you know, we're seeing this from many different reporting centers in, in many countries. He's saying excess death rate in Canada and not one of our politicians says a word about it federally, provincially, or municipally. It's time to fire them all and just take a check of this age standard, age standardized excess mortality, Canada. This is starting in 2015. Okay. This is excess mortality, excess mortality. What do you think that is? It's excess more than normal. Okay, here we go. 2015, follow it. We're kind of up a little bit, down, a little bit lower. 2018, it's going up a little bit, leveling out. Still nothing crazy. And then all of a sudden, 2020, we drop down. And then, boosh, right up to 2023, it's... It almost looks like the climate graphs they try to show you on CNN. It's just like right up. And then there was another one. Someone posted in here. Yeah, this person found it as well. Mortality.watch. You can see it just explode. This one here. Rock says, I went and rebuilt the graph, but made it cumulative. It actually paints a very scary picture from 2013 to 2022. It's like, it's crazy. So yeah, it's all coming out. It's undeniable. We were right to question them. Okay. Here's the Tucker Carlson interview with Alex Jones. Please go watch it. I think it was really well done. And how many people watch this? Like by a factor of a hundred times more, like, I don't know how many times more people watch something like Tucker Carlson's releases on X rather than mainstream media. How many people are going to watch this? It's, it's incredible. So this is the clip I wanted to show you. So this is modern Alex Jones. So I showed you the 2002 Alex Jones. Here's the modern, here's modern take on what's going on. So that's why the WEF and the UN are coming in, in 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 Ireland and in areas of Asia and in the Netherlands and saying by 2030, 80% of your cows have got to be dead. And they just banned like 30% this year in the Netherlands. And it didn't matter people were 80% against it in polls. It didn't matter. Uh, they sent the military in against the peaceful farmers that were just protesting, just like the peaceful truckers in Canada got brutally attacked. And so they're all WEF globalist alumni that the big banks 
on record bragged they've penetrated the cabinets to, to quote Klaus Schwab. They've put their operatives in to cut off our energy, demoralize us, release the hardened criminals, put the political activists in prison, uh, continue to cut off the resources to make an angrier world. Klaus Schwab says, we're going to make the world collapse. We're going to have everybody turn against each other. We're going to blame the political classes that we own and control. And then when we're done, we'll bring in our new solution. But first, they have to demolish the cultures and societies that we had before with the fentanyl, with the open borders, with the demoralization, and then they bring in their next phase, which is a high-tech cashless society, robot drone-controlled nightmare. Uh, more than half of the U.S. and their official U.N. maps that they've had for more than 25 years, they're in some of my first films, show half the U.S. off-limits to humans. Uh, all cars will have to have GPS. Everybody by law will have to have a cell phone at all times. Australia just did this last year, tried to push it through. And that's the admitted global UN standardized plan where you don't leave your house without a cell phone. Every car uh, is, is uh, robot kill switch, GPS controlled. California is moving to ban all the quote classic cars. That's any car that doesn't have a digital uh, ignition and they admit it's for control. So if people think things are bad now, the straight jacket, the ball and chain is going on. It's all being militarily run. Our military is great men and women, but at the top, our military has been globalist trained New World Order people for at least 30, 40 years. They've got almost every general, every person under their control. And that's why it came out in the UK and, and Europe and also here in Canada. You pull up the headlines, a defense department purposely scared public into lockdowns, masking and taking inoculations. A UK headline, a British Ministry of Defense secretly brainwashed and terrorized public. Canada, same headline. They even let you know, oh, the military is here to do this. And now, oh, the CIA and Justice Department is there to help surveil the public to stop disinformation. And it, it turned out, of course, almost all that disinformation was true uh, Always. about everything. So we have to understand, our governments have been seized. The big corporations want to get rid of the American idea. Like you got 50 acres and your house and a business and a farm and you can take care of your family and, and, and you're independent. They have to destroy all that because the rest of the world aspires to that. Instead, they want 15 minute cities, central bank digital currencies. Uh, they want uh, all of these systems that track and trace everything you do in the social credit scores. And the plan for the rest of the public, uh, uh, I mean, we're talking 99%, is 250 square foot coffin apartments, uh, 5G bathing you in them, uh, literally eating bug protein. And I yeah, and he just keeps going, but a good click. I like that this guy says, here's my vote for the best three and a half minutes of the Tucker Jones crossover event. It sums it all up, really. It really does. I mean, no lies detected there. And how many people are going to see this clip? Started at 92,000, just his reach. So that's why the WEF. Right. So an incredible time to be alive because guys, I remember doing this stuff in the days where you couldn't get a mainstream host. Well, now he's kind of not mainstream anymore, Tucker Carlson, but he was one of the biggest hosts they ever had on Fox News. You wouldn't get that type of person talking about this. You wouldn't get people like even Dana White talking about this UFC. You know, people are starting to talk openly about it. 
I mean, we're seeing Conor McGregor in Ireland going for the jugular on a lot of these WEF politicians. I don't know how awake he is to all of this stuff, but it seems like he's slowly waking up. And now he wants to make a run to save Ireland. And whatever, I don't know if he'd be the greatest leader or anything like that, but the man is a patriot and he loves Ireland. And I think that's what we're starting to see is like people that they love their country. They see what's going on. They might not know what, what's really wrong with it. These people might not be perfect themselves, but they're trying to make moves. So it, it, we're at a stage now that I couldn't have imagined because this stuff used to just be relegated to a few chat rooms and a couple channels. And, you know, it's hushed tones when you're talking about it. Now everybody's talking about this shit. I was talking about this with my Uber driver when I went to Toronto, like, and I didn't even bring it up. <laughs> he, was, he was bringing it up. Everybody's curious about this stuff now. And then there's this one. And I wanted to get your guys, get your take on this. Let's just do this. This is a quicker clip. It's only like a minute. He brings up something interesting here. And I just got to say, I, does this sound unbelievable to anybody? You see the system, the media going after Biden, and he deserves it, but they were covering it up until now. Now they're covering the laptop. Now they're covering attack on the dog. Now they're covering, you know, all of his senility, all the corruption, the Chinese spies. Attacking a dog. What a pig he is. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, I was told that by Secret Service and by uh, yeah. people that, let's just say, work with them. And I'm going to leave it at that. But I actually have a contact for you. I'd like to be able to hear it from them. But when this is over, I'll let you actually hear it from yourself. I think they'll tell you off record. I think they're willing to talk to you. Uh, but yeah, he, he, he is completely out of his mind. He wanders around for the entire two and a half years. It's getting worse. Naked in the White House. Uh, in the middle of the night, doesn't know who he is. They have to give him a bunch of drugs, yeah. a bunch of amphetamines in the morning. Then they've got a drug him. Uh, at night, sometimes he's got to though. He'll like be out for the morning for a while, and then he comes back out at night for a ball. That's when there's a real problem. He is on drugs. I, I have established that. I know someone who witnessed it. I'm not guessing at this. I know someone personally who witnessed him uh, taking amphetamines, and this was this was during the 2016 uh, 20, 2020 election. So how's this going? to That's huge. I know you don't play games. You've been proven no, I don't play games. With this. I mean, it's not surprising at all. There's probably worse shit that goes on, but remember that bag of Coke that was found on the property? <laughs> was it Hunter's or was it Joe's? Was it, was it one of the share bags? I don't know. Uh, Alex Jones getting arrested for confronting George W. Man, the man has put a microphone in front of everybody and it's, it's amazing. So yeah. Yeah, it's, it's incredible to watch this. So can you imagine, let's just think about it. Can you imagine they bring back Alex Jones' X account? And what you're witnessing is a new media being born where it's far more popular than the fake media. And what that is going to stir up for them because nobody's believing them anymore. Their ratings are down. Look, they're getting ratioed in the comments like I showed you. And there's more ways to show that than just a few tweets. Um, so who's really going to be winning this battle? Over time. I mean, we're definitely not out of the woods. And I know it's not all perfect and happening the way we would all like it to happen. But I think the Great Awakening is occurring. And we're, some mechanism is at play that's allowing this kind of information and these kind of influences to come back and to get out into the public 
and more people are now watching it. And these types of clips are going viral. People are starving to know what's going on. They're sick and tired of fake people that lie and read teleprompters. You got to put up with people who are off the cuff and just sort of speak their mind and don't censor themselves. And yeah, they're going to say inflammatory shit that offends people. But are we, are we going to grow up as a species and just go, I don't care if something's offensive in that way, or I didn't like that, or it was too boisterous or over the top, or we want truth. Would you rather the polished lies with a smile coming from your media and political class? Or would you rather real people that have real, they, they speak off the cuff and they speak their mind. And then even for the people that still don't like Alex Jones, I mean, it doesn't even matter because he's one that's yes, super popular. And there's a lot of influence that can happen from some of his stuff getting out, but there's many, 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 many other people and shows and podcasts and people who write articles, people abandoning ship with the mainstream media, more doctors are leaving the medical cult than ever before and coming out and saying, yep, here we have all the inside documentation that we weren't allowed to show you. The amount of whistleblowers we're collecting, the amount of people coming from within the police and the military, the amount of average citizens that are now quitting their jobs and becoming full-blown participants in this great awakening. So to me, this is a good sign. And it makes me think, it, everybody can feel it in the air. Is something about to change? Is something big about to happen? The sky didn't fall yet. World War III hasn't been declared officially yet. We haven't been nuked. All the fears everybody kept sending me through the entire pandemic. Oh, China's going to invade and start putting us all in concentration camps. That didn't happen. A lot of other things have happened, but the worst of it that we were thinking might happen, the potential was definitely there, didn't happen. And somehow, by many different ways, by many different ways, like, let me just finish the sentence. By many different ways, this information is reaching the public. If this globalist deep state cabal was in full control how is that possible? How is it possible that we're learning about Hunter and Joe Biden and all these people? How is it possible that Trudeau's ratings are through the floor? That Christia Freeland gets up and starts announcing how great the Canadian economy is, and she's just getting booed out of the room and laughed out of the room by literally everybody and getting ratioed all the time. Because the obviousness of the average Canadian going to the grocery store or pumping gas and seeing their paycheck and doing the math is starting to come to roost now. And people are seeing that what they're saying is not happening in reality. So what are they doing? They're going to look for different information because they turn on CBC News and they go, man, you're just repeating what the government just told me. You're not media. I'm going to go to, P I'll go to some guy sitting in his basement. Maybe he's got something to say. And maybe we're not perfect either. But we're a hell of a lot more on the ball than these clowns reading teleprompters for BlackRock. So guys, all I'm going to say here to wrap this up is first of all, thanks for tuning in. I hope I gave you some value today. I hope you enjoy your weekend. I'm always here to encourage you to never let this get too dark for you. Never let them win. The first place they need, if the battleground is your mind, then that's where you can win. 
don't let the feeling of hopelessness wash over you. Let the feeling of awareness of the danger mixed with also the awareness of the positive things that are indeed taking place wash over you. That's a balanced perspective where you're not going completely ignorant of the problems that we're facing and the seriousness of the time we're in, but you're also not going into depression and nihilism, you know, and you're not going extreme where you think everybody's out to get you and you just become a paranoid schizophrenic. Like we can't have that. Just look around, take the notes, document everything, be an observer and be grateful for where we're at. And maybe I can say that because I've been doing this as long as I have. And those of you out there who've been doing this as long as well, or even longer, I hope you'll agree with me here. It's night and day doing this work and talking about this subject in our current time in December of 2023, than it was five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, exponentially it's gotten better. And the, when the bigger crises that everybody's melting down and losing their sanity over started to happen, that awakening expanded tenfold as a result. So even though these things that have happened are horrible and there's been loss of life and there's been loss of freedom and there's been so much loss, I've experienced it, you've experienced it. Ask yourself, if there was no good people in the world, whether behind the scenes or right out in front, average people fighting back, could this have been much worse? And if it could have been much worse, which I believe it could have been far worse, I, I believe it could have gotten without any kind of fighting back, without any anybody fighting back to change the public opinion, to show people, no, these people are liars, they're cheats, they're trying to steal your country, they're trying to, you know, attack what it means to be human at this point without people fighting back. I don't know if anybody, any of us would even be here right now having this conversation. We are here still standing because evil's not the only show in town. The bad guys are not the only players on the board. So don't look around and see all the things and stay in panic mode. There are good people fighting. And there's also, remember this, I believe that as people are waking up, people are waking up who live maybe down the street from you. And there's also people waking up within the government, within the medical system, within the intelligence system, within the police system, within the military, within every sector of society. And so people are changing teams. People are, everybody thinks everybody's, a plant of a government agent or something. And there's definitely those that are out there, but I think we get extreme in that fear because we do realize what we're up against here. But I also think the other dynamic that could be possibility is that a lot of people are also breaking away from their programming. And we're going to see more of that happen. It's just inevitable because that's the nature of the truth. The truth is like a cleanser. And you try to resist it, but eventually it's undeniable. And then if those people are able to work through their own inner demons and actually say, all right, I was wrong and I want to now change what I'm talking about and come out and talk about the truth. That's a power that can topple 
tyrannies. That's what's toppled tyrannies in the past. People who were formerly brainwashed by the rhetoric of the day who woke up to reality and went, oh my God, I can't support this anymore. I'm going to go expose these motherfuckers, right? Like that's, that's your whistleblower. <laughs> and we're going to see more of those. We've got a lot already. We've been collecting them for decades in this movement. We've got a list of them. We've got all the receipts. We've got all the sources. I've labored to show you where you can find a lot of those things, but that's just the old uh, version of that. There's going to be more coming out. And the more people are able to be exposed to this and see that we're not talking crazy talk, not all of us, they'll be able to determine who's the crazy ones and who are the people that are rational, sane, focused, trying to do this at an academic level, who care about it, who are willing to admit if they're wrong, but are also out there trying to try to show you what's right. The more that that kind of information gets out there, it's unstoppable. It's like human consciousness attaches to the truth as well. It's not just attracted to the lies. That's one side of the coin. And that's done through manipulation. It's done from in people who fall for that because they've sold themselves over to the lie, right? They don't, they haven't developed the strength to be able to see the truth and then stand for it. But that is also changing. We are getting stronger. We are getting better cardio of fighting back against this propaganda. You're probably sitting there going, man, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. This is horrible. Can we just wake up already? I, I know, but how do you think people have been doing this 20, 30 years feel? You know, some of them get jaded and hopeless, but not all of them. A lot of them I talked to were like, oh my God, I've never, I never thought I'd live to see the day where this many people were talking about this. So that I always just sit back and go, whenever I get down on things and I have my days too, I sit back and I just use that energy of gratitude to approach it and say, you know what? I'm grateful for what I have. I'm grateful for the fact that I still stand here. I'm grateful for the knowledge I've been given by the people who had the courage to stand up and, and put that out there and teach me what I know. I'm grateful for the fact that this wasn't as bad as it probably could have been because of the fact that we do have the force of truth and freedom at work in the world as well. It's not just the forces of tyranny and control and manipulation and all of that working. I'm grateful for those brave men and women who've died and sacrificed so much just to get this out to the public and that that's going to continue. Hopefully not the fact that they're martyred for it. I mean, just the fact that more people are going to come out with it and we're going to learn more and it's okay to make mistakes along the way. I mean, we're looking, we're tracking a predator here. We're tracking a mystery here that we don't have it all solved, but we've we, there's enough smoke to know there's a fire. There's more than enough. And we get things a hell of a lot. We get things right a hell of a lot more than the fake news does. So may the free speech movement continue. May more platforms get rid of this ridiculous censoring and fact-checking nonsense. May there be more independent companies that rise up and create good products for people and put out and create new platforms to allow people like me and other, so many others. There's so many great shows out there. So many great content creators out there. 
that are pushing hard. So many great journalists that are out there. A lot of mainstream journalists are going independent now. And there's now platforms that are allowing them to monetize their work so they can keep their career and keep their job going. And that incentivizes them to do good journalism. We need more things like that. We need these doctors and nurses that got fired for their stance on this bioweapon to create some form of privatized healthcare where they can go direct to the patient and they can base their practice off of merit. Not, well, I'm a doctor wearing a white coat and I represent the WHO, the highest law of the land, so you will comply or I'm not going to treat you. I, we're done with that. You either can do what you say you can do or you're fired. We need to create something off stream of this digital matrix that they're trying to create. They're going to try to entice you and sell you and sell your children on the fact that the convenience of living in their digitized UBI you know, world is living hell compared to what a true free society can create and do. And that's the spirit that's coming back. And I have a feeling that 2024, next year, is going to be a freaking roller coaster, but these chickens are coming home to roost. There's just too many people that are awake. I mean, it's just going to go to the next level. And I got a feeling that the tides are about to turn. It might not turn overnight, but it is already turning. It is already turning. That's my general impression. And may it continue. And may we fan those flames and put that energy behind that and communicate this information with hope. When you drop some red pills on people, don't just leave them in the dirt after. <laughs> Give them something to actually inspire them as well because it's not all bad news. It's not all bad news. That would be my one criticism of Alex Jones is that he always kind of came off a little over the top with, we're totally fucked. Not always. He always had some good rants the other way too, but I feel like you just balance it out. Show the dark side and show the light side. And this way people will actually buy into it because the reason people don't listen to it is because it's too scary. It's too frightening. It invokes fear in them. And then they go, you're just selling fear porn. It's like, well, no, you're just feeling fear right now when I'm telling you about the Club of Rome. So that's different than me selling you fear porn. Sometimes the truth is scary, right? But these, these guys are nothing. They're lint compared to the spirit of humanity that can rise up and trounce them in a second the moment it wakes up and realizes what's going on. So there's always a good news uh, way to spin it at the end. And you're not blowing smoke. You're not blowing hopium. This is legit. So stay the course, my friends. Keep exposing the lies. Keep ratioing these lying scumbags in the media every time they lie. Any of these celebrities, any of these pu pu puppet politicians, any of these WEF penetrated cabinet people, Get in there and just ratio them everywhere. Show them you are the minority. We've found you out. It's over. The gig is up. Come out with your hands up. It's over. We're done. We're taking back our countries. We're taking back our families. We're taking back our minds, taking back our lives. And you guys just be gone. Off you go. And may that energy take us into the new year. And may the truth win. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I'll be back here again soon. For those that have been asking about Earth Chronicles, 
don't worry. Josh and I are working on something. We're going to be coming back in the new year bigger than ever. So stay tuned for that. Um, go check out a recent interview I just put up on Unslave for those Unslave subscribers. Thank you so much for supporting that mission over there. It means the world. Uh, I just did a really, really good interview with the great Rodney Atkinson. He's getting a little older now, but man, the man is a sh still sharp as a tack. And we get into what he talks about as corporatism. It's just another side segue discussion about some of the stuff we talked about here. And he did a really good analysis. Um, so that's a good interview. And we've got much more coming over there and also here on Truthwire. So stay tuned. Go check out my website, dwtruthware.com. And uh, go check out Cult of the Medics. Share it far and wide. Follow me on X at Truth Warrior Dad. Follow me on Telegram, DW Truth Warrior. And um, we'll have some discussions there in the chat. So thanks to everybody. Catch you next time. Have a great weekend. Cheers.